Hey, good morning, and thank you so much for tuning in for Church at Home. And we're so glad that you are here with us. And God has been so good to our church family over the last several weeks. Last week was an awesome week. We had three people pray to accept Christ. And on Sunday, we celebrated with 15 people who decided to get baptized in the Pacific Ocean. And man, it was a celebration. It was awesome to see those people identify with the Lord through Believer's Baptism. And God has just been doing some incredible things in our church. And I'm so excited about it. And I'm very excited this morning that we have a big announcement. And uh, last week we announced that we're gonna be sharing some exciting news. And right now we're gonna be sharing that news. And here's the announcement. We are excited to announce that God has provided a building for Rock Hill, a building that we can call home. And uh, this is something that we have been praying for and fasting for. And God in his providence and sovereignty has uh, opened up a location for us. And man, we are so excited about it. And so next week we're officially launching a campaign that we are calling Gaining Ground. And uh, this campaign is all about how we are gaining new territory as a church. And we're getting a new location, a new building that we can gain ground for the glory of God. And uh, you can find all of the information that you need for uh, the upcoming transition and uh, this whole campaign that we're going to be a part of. You can find it on our website at www.rockhill.church slash gaining ground. And uh, you can find all the information there, uh, but it has some helpful information uh, that's on this card that I'm holding this morning. And uh, some of the building highlights that we're very excited about, about this new building that God has opened up uh, for us, is that it already has a conditional use permit. This is something that's going to save us thousands of dollars and save us uh, so much time uh, that we don't have to get a building up to code because the building that God has provided is already up to code. Uh, this building has a beautiful auditorium. It has a dedicated teen room, dedicated nurseries and office space. And uh, it's all going to be used for the glory of God to further our mission to reach more people with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. And so uh, we're excited about it. And uh, we're going to have some vision night dinners to uh, share a little bit more about this season and this campaign. And I want to encourage you to uh, RSVP for some of these vision dinners that I'm going to be hosting uh, with my wife, Katie. And uh, we would love to have you be a part of those. And uh, on the back of this card and also on the website, you'll find that it says um, how to be involved. And I wanted just to mention this morning how you can be involved. If you are uh, watching uh, this sermon this morning and you're wanting to, to be a part of this transition and you're wanting to be a part of this exciting season as we gain ground for the glory of God, uh, how can you be involved? Well, the first thing is I want to encourage you to pray along with us. And uh, we kind of did, uh, did some math and some estimates and we determined that within a short driving distance of Rock Hill, there are approximately 840,000 people that are not yet followers of Jesus. And so what we wanna do over the next uh, month or so is we're gonna set an alarm every day on our phones for 8.40 a.m., 8.40 in the morning, and we wanna take a minute to pray for the lost in our community. And we wanna pray for the Gaining Ground campaign that we would be able to see more people reached with the gospel and that we'd be able to be a part of what God is doing in this season. So I wanna encourage you to pray. Uh, the second way is to plan. And a part of this campaign is on September 20th, uh, we are going to be taking and receiving uh, a very special and sacrificial offering that we are calling the Gaining Ground Offering. 
and the purpose of this offering is uh, going to be used for uh, the lease of this new property. It's a three-year lease with a two-year option, and uh, we're going to take uh, a special offering so that we can make sure that we are in a good, strong financial position to be able to uh, move into this new building. Uh, we're going to have to purchase several things, chairs and some lights and some furniture, some different things like that. And so we want to make sure that we are uh, prepared and equipped uh, to utilize this space for God's glory. And so I want to encourage you to begin today to plan and to pray and to prepare and to ask God how he might have you be involved uh, in this uh, exciting season season and in this special offering. And the third way that we can be involved is just to participate and just to decide, you know, I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be involved. I'm not going to occupy the sidelines. I'm going to get on the front lines. I'm going to be a part of what God is doing at Rock Hill Church. And I'm going to be used by God to gain ground for his glory. And so uh, this is such an exciting time for us. And we're going to be sharing some, some dates and some upcoming schedule and, and uh, where the building is and how uh, we're going to transition and what dates we're going to be ha having services there. Uh, and if you have any questions, of course, you can reach out to the church and uh, we'd be happy to answer those. But I want to encourage you, be in prayer for the Gaining Ground offering on September 20th and uh, this exciting season that we are in uh, as a church. And uh, today, I want to bring a message to conclude our series, In God We Trust. And over the last several weeks, we've been talking about how we can trust God in this season. And I want to bring a message from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And so if you have a Bible today, I want to encourage you uh, to grab it and uh, find 1 Chronicles chapter number 29. By the way, if you're just even a little bit excited about uh, getting a new building as a church, go ahead and leave an amen in the comments or I'm excited or hallelujah or something because this is definitely a miracle. It's an answer to prayer uh, that God has provided for us. And I'm so thankful that God is faithful. Even in this season of a pandemic and coronavirus and so much that's going on, uh, God is still faithful to provide and he is opening doors even in this season. So I'm very grateful uh, to be a part of it and I, I know that you are as well. Uh, but this morning, First Chronicles chapter number 29, and uh, we're going to conclude our series in God We Trust. And the title of my message this morning is actually a mantra uh, that we say often at Rock Hill. And uh, the title of my message is something that we say as a part of our dream team. In fact, uh, we say this, it's on the back of some of our shirts. And the title of my message this morning is this, we get to do this. We get to do this. And I want to talk from 1 Chronicles chapter 29 about how we get to do this. The Bible says this in verse number 1 of 1 Chronicles 29. It says this, Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. Everybody leave in the comments today the word great. The, the work is great. The work is great for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. It's not for man, it's for the Lord God. Now I have uh, prepared with all my might for the house of my God, the gold for the things to be made of gold and the silver for the things of silver and the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron and wood for the things of wood, uh, uh, the stones to be set, uh, uh, glistering stones and diverse colors and all the manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. And so he's talking about all the materials uh, to be used for uh, the temple uh, that they are planning on building for God's glory. Verse number three. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God. And I love that phrase. I've set my affection uh, toward the house of my God. 
I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house even uh, 3,000 talents of gold and of the gold of Ophir and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses with all. The gold for things of gold and the silver for things of silver and for all manner of work to be made by the hands of the artificers. And who then is willing? And, and David, King David is asking this question to the nation of Israel. Who then is willing? Who is willing to consecrate his service uh, this day unto the Lord. Who is willing? Let's have a word of prayer together. God, thank you so much for this uh, day that you've given us. God, thank you so much for providing a building for us, for Rock Hill. God, you are faithful uh, to provide. And God, I pray that we would be in a position and be prepared to do whatever it is you would have us do uh, to move forward and to gain ground in this season. God, I pray that we would be prepared to give sacrificially, that we would be prepared to serve generously, and that, God, you would use this season to reach more people and to bring about uh, a great harvest uh, that would bring you ultimate glory. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a big difference between a have-to and a get-to. How many of you know the difference between a have to and a get to? Uh, several months ago, I was called and summoned for jury duty, and I was not super excited about that. In my estimation, that was definitely a have to. You know, like I have to do this, and I, I thought about ways maybe I can try to get out of jury duty so I don't have to go and give my day, and I was kind of a little bit bummed out about that, and I thought this is a, this is a have to. I have to go to jury duty, but I decided to change my perspective a little bit. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to make the most of this day. And so I brought with me to jury duty uh, three different books, uh, commentaries. I brought my Bible. I brought my laptop. I brought some headphones. And I went to jury duty early, actually. I was one of the first ones there. I signed in. I found a table. And I got some studying done. And I was writing some messages. And it turned out to be a great time. And, uh, and I'm actually looking forward to the next time that I have jury duty uh, because uh, I got some great uh, work done. Uh, but there's a big difference between a have to and and a get to, right? A have to is an obligation, but a get to is an opportunity. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we will take serving the Lord and doing the work of the Lord and we will turn that into a have to when in all reality, that is a get to. Uh, we don't have to sing before the Lord. We get to sing before the Lord. Uh, we don't have to give generously. We get to give generously. Serving God is not something that we have to do. Serving God is something that we get to do. It's a, it's a privilege and an honor to be able to serve and worship the Lord. I love how Romans puts it in Romans chapter 12, verse number one. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Everybody leave that word reasonable in the comments today. I love that. It's our reasonable service uh, to give God our lives. And it's not unreasonable to serve God. In fact, in all reality, it's the only thing in life that really makes sense. When you think about what Jesus has done for you, when you think about the fact that he shed his own blood for you and that he went to the cross for your sins and for my sins and, and by his love, he reached out into the slave market of sin and he purchased us back and he uh, set us in a new place and gave us a home in heaven. Uh, it just makes sense then to give our lives back to God. It makes sense to worship him and to give generously. It's our reasonable service. Can I just encourage you this morning that serving God is not a have to, it's a get to. 
And when we come to 1 Chronicles chapter 29, this is the exact mindset that we see from the people of God. And I love this because we see this, this willingness to give and this willingness to serve the Lord. Now, to give us a little bit of context as to uh, where we are in 1 Chronicles 29, uh, King David uh, is the king of Israel, and uh, he is the most powerful man on earth at this time. He's the, he's the most wealthy man on earth at this time. And uh, he was sitting in his beautiful palace one day, and he was thinking, man, I have this wonderful, beautiful palace that I'm enjoying and uh, that I'm uh, living in, but the people of God are worshiping God in a tent. And he thought, I, I don't think this is right for the people of God to be worshiping God in a tent, and here I am living in this beautiful palace. Now, now we know that, uh, that God is not confined to a building, and uh, we know that, that God's not contained in a building. The Bible says in Acts chapter 17, verse number 24, God that hath made the world and all the things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. And so uh, God is not confined to a building. We've learned this uh, over the last several weeks. We've been having church in a parking lot, right? And so God is not confined to a building, but David, King David had this heart that said, you know what? Uh, God deserves a higher priority than this. And I want to build God a temple that is beautiful, uh, that is ornate, uh, that is a wonderful place to go and to worship the Lord. But here's something interesting that happens. David had this great desire. I want to build this temple. But then here's what God said. No. David, I don't want you to build the temple. And this would have been shocking to David. What, what do you mean? This is a great desire that I have. Uh, this is what David wanted. In fact, in Psalm 27, verse 4, David said this, uh, One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And so this was David's heart. This was David's desire. I just want to dwell within the temple and worship the Lord all the days of my life. And so I want to get ready and I want to build this magnificent, beautiful temple for the Lord. And God said, no. He says it this way in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse number 3. But God said unto me, speaking to David, thou shalt not build an house for my name, because thou hast been a man of war and thou hast shed blood. And so because there was blood on David's hands and because of David's uh, past as a warrior and some of the things involved in David's life, God said, you know what, David, uh, I'm not going to allow you to be the one to build the temple. I'm going to allow your son Solomon to be the one to build the temple. Now, this could have been a major setback for, for David. David could have been very disappointed and, and uh, maybe even very uh, devastated to hear this news that he was not going to be able to build the temple. And he could have just pouted. David could have just quit and said, you know what? Uh, fine, if I can't build the temple, then I don't even want to be involved in this. You know, F.B. Meyer, he said this, so many people won't even play the game if they can't be the quarterback. How often is that true in life? So many people won't even play the game if they can't be the one calling the shots, if they can't be the quarterback. And David could have had this mindset. Well, if I can't build the temple, then fine. I'm just going to take a back seat and let's let them figure it out. And he could have been very disappointed, devastated, and withdrawn because of this news. But instead, David uh, has a different perspective. Instead, David responds with an excellent attitude. And he says this, you know what? If I can't build the temple, then I'm going to buy the temple. If I can't be the one to build the temple, then I'm going to fund the temple. And I'm going to make sure that Solomon, my son, has all the resources that he needs in order to build this temple. And so David took a no from God, but he didn't let that no stop him. He let that no steer him in the right direction. By the way, when God says no in your life, it's not a rejection. It's a redirection. 
When God says no, it's not a rejection, it's a redirection. He wants to redirect you to the path and the purpose that he has for your life. And I wonder today, how have you been handling the disappointments in 2020? How have you been responding to uh, the disappointments in your life when God says no or when God uh, does not allow something to come to fruition in your life? Because we can either let that stop us and discourage us or we can let it steer us and develop us in the right direction. And that's exactly what we see David doing. And so David does something incredible. He says, you know what? I'm gonna give generously so that the temple can be built. And David starts giving this magnificent, wonderful, sacrificial offering for the Lord. And it has this ripple effect and it has this avalanche effect that all the people of God decided to jump in on this and all the children of Israel and all the people of God started giving generously and what would become known as Solomon's beautiful temple was paid for in one day. And so because the people of God decided to give generously and because they decided to have a heart for the house, uh, they went all in and they paid for the temple in one day. And we see this beautiful example of generosity. But here's what I want you to see. I don't want you to miss it. Six times in this text, six times in chapter number 29, we see this word being used, willing. They were willing. This was not something they had to do. This was something that they said, we get to do. This was a free will offering. They weren't being coerced or tricked into giving. David wasn't guilt tripping them and saying, hey, if you don't give, then you don't really love the Lord and you better be a part of this or else you know, you're not gonna be blessed. And David was not tricking them. David was not coercing them. Uh, David just led by example. He gave and then the people of God, they said, man, we wanna be a part of this and they gave willingly. Why? Because it wasn't a have to, it was a get to. And so this morning, it's my prayer that as we approach September 20th and as we approach this special day and historic day for our church family and as we prepare to give generously uh, towards this lease of this new building that God has provided, it's my prayer that we would have this mindset. Hey, we don't have to do this. We get to do this. We, we want to give a free will offering willingly for the Lord. And so this morning, I want to talk about how we can have this mindset of, hey, we get to do this. And if you're taking notes today, I want to give us four principles about giving that can help us develop this mindset of we get to do this. And so if you're ready this morning, would you go ahead and drop the word ready in the comments today? And uh, we're going to talk about four principles uh, that concerns giving that would help us develop this mindset of we get to do this. Number one, giving is not for man, it's for the Lord. We have to recognize right off the bat that giving is not for man, it is for the Lord. And this is exactly what it says in verse number one. It says, furthermore, David the king sent unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen. So again, David wasn't pouting, he wasn't bitter that he didn't get selected. He said, God has chosen Solomon, and he is yet young and tender, and the work is great. The work before us to build this temple is great. By the way, I just want to say uh, that uh, the work before us for Rock Hill, it's great. The work before us is going to take a great step of faith for our church family. It's going to be a stretching time financially for uh, us as a church to be able to make this payment. But we believe that, uh, that God is miraculous and that God is faithful and that he will enable us to be able to make these new payments and we can use this building for his glory. The work before us is great. But God is greater and he is faithful to provide. So David says, hey, the work is great. But then he says this key statement, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. And I just want to encourage you today that when we give, we are not giving to man. We are giving to the Lord God. 
hey, the building is not for the glory of man. The building is for the glory of God. And we have to have a generous spirit today, not for our own glory or for our own self-satisfaction, but for God's glory and for God's purposes. And so uh, we see this exemplified in Acts chapter 13, verse number two. It says this, uh, it says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said unto them, separate me, Barnabas and Saul. And they're get, getting ready for this first uh, missionary journey. But I love that phrase, as they ministered to the Lord. Isn't it interesting that when they were getting ready to send Paul and Barnabas on this uh, first missionary journey, that it doesn't say, as they ministered to the church, as they ministered to one another, as they ministered to themselves. No, it says, as they ministered to the Lord. Why is that? Because God is the goal. The building is not the goal. God is the goal. And David was putting this before the people and he was saying, hey, what we're about to do, this great endeavor, it's not for man, it's for the Lord. And so when we give, we're not just giving to something, something temporarily. We are giving to something that is eternal because it's for the Lord. I love what 2 Timothy 2.4 says. It says, for uh, no man that warreth entangleth himself in the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Why do we do what we do? It's for the Lord. It's to please him who hath chosen us to be a soldier. And so in verse number one, we see that giving is not for man, it's for the Lord. Here's the second principle this morning, number two. Giving requires a heart for the house. If we're going to give with generosity, and if we're going to have this mindset that says we get to do this, giving requires a heart for the house. Notice it in verse number two. It says, now I have prepared with all my might. By the way, we talked about that last week, that biblical generosity requires preparation. David said, I have prepared with all my heart. If we're going to be a part uh, of this uh, uh, offering on September 20th, we have to prepare for it. We have to think and and ask God what he would have us uh, do. David uh, prepared with all his might for the house of my God. And then he goes on in verse number three to say this, moreover, because I love this phrase, If you're still with me today, would you say with me in the comments? It says this, moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God. David said, I have set my affection, my heart, my love towards what? The house of my God. Here here it is. David had a heart for the house. He had a heart for the house of God. He says, you know what? You know what I'm passionate about? You know what I'm affectionate about? I'm I'm passionate about seeing uh, the work of God uh, being advanced. I'm passionate about gaining ground for God's glory. I have a heart for the house. You know, it's easy to give with the wrong motive. It's easy to give for some self-serving purpose. I I read a story uh, not too long ago. I think it was several years ago. There was Uh, some palm trees in Miami that were randomly cut down and they believed that some vandals came in and cut down all these palm trees and and the city of Miami determined that it was going to be too expensive to replace the palm trees and so they just said we're just going to leave this particular area uh, vacant no palm trees are going to go there but then someone generously uh, purchased and donated and even paid for the work to be done to replant those palm trees and they were even higher than the ones before they were like 35 feet tall these beautiful palm trees and in fact uh, uh, they were so uh, tall that they covered up this Delta Airlines billboard completely. You couldn't even see the billboard. And someone was like, man, uh, they, they completely paid for and put in these new palm trees. But then it was found out that the people that purchased those palm trees was actually Eastern Airlines. And they wanted to 
make sure that they were covering the Delta Airlines billboard. And so, yeah, they were giving generously, but it was really for their own self-serving purposes. You know, it's easy to give with the wrong motive, but here's David. And we see that he was giving from a, a good place in his heart. Why? He had a heart for the house. And it's my prayer that as we approach this season of gaining ground as a church, that we would have a heart for the house, that we would have a passion for the things of God. Now, with David, this was uh, something that was personal. Uh, there was a personal involvement and investment here. Notice it in verse number three. He says, Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of mine own proper good. David said, hey, uh, we're about to uh, pay for this building, and I of mine own good uh, of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. So David uh, gave personally. This is not something that he was just saying, hey, you guys need to give. He was saying, I'm going to be involved in this. I'm going to lead the way in sacrificial giving. It's not just the nation's money. It's my personal money, uh, David said, that he was giving. F.E. Meyer said this, not all men carry a full cup with a steady hand. Not all men carry a full cup with a steady hand. But this is what we see David doing, that God had blessed him to be a blessing and he was giving of his own money sacrificially. In fact, uh, some estimate that uh, and some have calculated in today's dollars that he gave maybe perhaps over $450 million uh, in silver. And just in the gold, he gave over $17 billion that David said that, hey, I'm going to uh, give to this. And then I think there's an interesting phrase in verse 3 that he says, I'm doing this over and above. Why does he say that? Why does David say, I'm giving over and above? Well, it's because back in 1 Chronicles 22, verse 14, David had already given 100,000 talents of gold and a million talents of silver. David gave above and beyond uh, that which he already gave. And I believe that, that we should practice the principle of the tithe and that we should give on a consistent basis. And we've talked about that the last several weeks um, uh, because uh, we are just stewards of what God has given us and we ought to practice the tithe. But I also believe that there are times when uh, we should rally together as the church and give over and above and to say, you know what, this is something that is a special offering and I'm going to give above and beyond my tithes for this particular purpose. This is what David did. He gave over and above. But we also see this in the New Testament with the early church in the book of Acts. It says this in Acts chapter 4, verse 33, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And so the apostles were going and preaching about uh, the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses, they sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold. And so what do we see, <coughs> excuse me, what do we see in the early church? We see that uh, the, the apostles were preaching about the resurrected Jesus and nobody was lacking. Nobody was in want. Why? Because the early church rallied together and they were sacrificially giving. They were saying, you know what? I'm going to sell my home. I'm going to sell land so that we can see the gospel advanced. It was that important to them to give over and above. And there are times when God would require of us to give with that kind of sacrificial mindset and to give that generously over and above. This is what we see David uh, doing here. But then David's giving, uh, it had a great influence on the people. In verse 5, it says, uh, the gold for the things of gold and the silver for the things of silver and for all the manner of work to be made uh, with the hands of the artificers. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day to the Lord? Then the chief of the fathers and the princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of the thousands and the hundreds and the rulers of the king's work. Watch this. They offered willingly. And so when David gave, then all the rulers got together, the leaders, and they said, hey, we want to give willingly. 
And then it says in verse seven, and for the, <coughs> and they gave for the service of the house of uh, gold uh, five thousand talents and ten thousand drams of silver, ten thousand talents and of brass, eighteen thousand talents and one hundred thousand talents of iron. So all of this uh, uh, gold and, and 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 iron and silver they were donating and giving generously to uh, the temple. And it says this in verse eight, and they with whom precious stones were found gave them to the treasure of the house of the Lord. And I think that's an interesting phrase uh, in verse number eight, and they with whom precious stones were found, uh, they gave those, which tells us that not everybody had the precious stones, that God had blessed some people uniquely and that some people were uniquely positioned to be able to give more to this work. Not everybody could give the precious stones, but some people could, and they gave willingly of what they had. And I believe that uh, uh, God is not interested in an amount, but he's interested in a heart that says uh, God can have whatever he wants. And he's interested in, in the heart of sacrifice. And I believe that everyone can be involved and everyone can do something, but some people God has positioned to be able to do more. And if God has blessed us, then we ought to in turn uh, desire to be a blessing as well. And so uh, we have to give because we have a heart for the house. Here's the third principle today, number three. Giving is one of the greatest joys of your life. <coughs> Giving is one of the greatest joys of your life. Notice it in verse number nine. It says this, then the people rejoiced. Everybody leave rejoiced in the comments today. And uh, this is something that is uncanny to us because when we give, a lot of times we are a little bit sad, if we're honest. Uh, we give and it's like, oh man, I see money leaving my account and I'm kind of bummed out about that. But they gave and their response after their giving was to rejoice the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly. There's that word again. This wasn't a have to, it was a get to. They rejoiced, they offered willingly because with the perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord and David the king also rejoiced with great joy. I believe that one of the greatest ways that you can experience real joy in your life is to have a heart of generosity. When you are giving generously, you can experience joy that you would not experience otherwise. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, a familiar and famous passage concerning giving with this kind of mindset. It says this, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful actually in the Greek means this, hilarious it means that we are not so tied and so uh, uh, stingy with our money, but that we're actually giving so happily and so cheerfully that it's almost hilarious that we can smile and rejoice and be grateful for what God has done in our lives. And uh, in this verse, it really talks about three kinds of giving. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, you can have greed giving. That's giving grudgingly, where you're giving, but you're kind of not wanting to, and, and you're kind of holding on and holding back to what you have. That, that's greed giving. Then he talks about guilt giving. He says, don't give uh, out of uh, necessity. Uh, don't just, oh, I feel like I have to. Okay, the sermon was about giving, so I probably should do that. No, 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 if that's your mindset, you're better off to not give because God doesn't want us to give grudgingly. He doesn't want us to give of necessity, guilt giving. Okay, I feel like I'm guilted into this. No, no, no. There is grace giving where we can give cheerfully. And this is the heart that God has pleased with. And so I believe that giving is one of the greatest joys of our lives. Giving then is connected to praise. Notice it in verse 10. 
Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. And so David says, Man, this is such a privilege and an honor to be used of God, and we are giving for the house of God, and so let's praise the name of the Lord. And then in verse number 11, he says, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven. And in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. And I'm thankful today that we can echo the words of David and say, yes, our God is all powerful. Our God is all sovereign. He is Lord of heaven and Lord of earth. He owns it all. And because of that, he deserves our highest praise. And so when we give, it produces in us a praise. By the way, when we get into our new building, that new building will be a house of prayer, but it will also be a house of praise. And we're going to lift high the name of Jesus, and we're going to celebrate his name uh, before all the people. And this is the heart of David. This is the heart of the children of Israel to praise the Lord. And so giving is connected to praise. I love how in 2 Corinthians 8 two, the churches at Macedonia, even though they were living in poverty, even though they had nothing, they were still giving uh, to the local church. They were still giving, taking up an offering. And it says how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy. So they, they had nothing. They, had, they were living in poverty, but it says they were abundant in what area? Joy. And so our satisfaction is not linked to stuff. Uh, our delight is not linked to a dollar amount. Uh, they were in abundance of joy in their deep poverty, abounded unto the riches of their liberality. And so uh, giving should produce praise, but giving should also produce gratitude. And giving is connected to gratitude. I love verse 13. It says this, Now therefore, our, now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Hey, why do we give? It's, it's out of a heart of gratitude. Because God has given so much to us that we should respond with thanksgiving and a heart of gratitude back to the Lord. I'm so thankful that, that God is doing a work here. I'm thankful that 15 people were baptized last week. I'm thankful that so many people have been saved in the last couple of weeks. I'm thankful that God has provided miraculously this building for us that we thought was way out of our price range and God brought it up before us. I'm thankful that God is working and so we give out of generosity because we have a heart of gratitude. A.W. Tozer said this, Gratitude is an offering precious in the sight of God. And it is one of the most, and it is one that the poorest of us can make and be not poor but richer for having made it. When we give uh, gratitude back to the Lord, we are richer uh, for having made uh, that uh, heart. In Psalm 136, one says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth for." ever. And so giving is one of the greatest joys of our lives. And I believe that we'll look back on this season of this gaining ground offering and as we moved into this building, this next step for us as a church. And we're going to see how God was moving and it'll produce in us a heart of gratitude. And here's the last uh, thought today and we'll be done. Number four, the last principle concerning our giving is this. Giving is easy when you see God as the owner. Giving is easy when you see God as the owner. It says this in verse number 12. It says, both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thy hand is power and might, and in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. And so David makes it very clear, hey, uh, God is the owner. He owns it all. Uh, this isn't our money that we're giving to God. No, it's his money that we're just uh, stewarding for a short season and we're giving it back to him. And when you have that mindset, the mindset of a manager, the mindset of a steward, Giving then becomes easy. 
Giving is easy when uh, you recognize that God is the owner. I remember when Katie and I got married, we're coming up on our 10-year wedding anniversary. Uh, in fact, uh, this coming weekend, and uh, when Katie and I got married, uh, I uh, borrowed from my brother's father-in-law who owns a car dealership. I borrowed a Mercedes-Benz that was brand new and it was a $100,000 car. And uh, uh, we were gonna use that as our getaway car. So I was just gonna drive it for a short time, but I was looking forward to after the wedding, uh, driving to the hotel in this very nice car. And uh, we got in the car and uh, it was a lot of fun. I was, I was driving a little bit faster than I probably should have and Katie and I were having a good time. And uh, when we got to the hotel, I was supposed to leave the keys for my brother and he was gonna come and pick up the car. But you know, when we got there, I wasn't, I wasn't extremely sad that I had to give the keys back to my brother because I knew and recognized this isn't my car. I, I was just using, I was just borrowing it for a short season. I wasn't thinking, oh man, you know, I can't believe I have to give this back. No, I recognized that I was just a steward for a short time. See, giving is easy when you recognize you're not the owner. And this is the heart that David had. Hey, God owns it all. And he has, he has supplied this to us. And so we're just stewards giving back to him. Now, to have this mindset in closing today, we need two things and we'll be done. We need two things. First, we need humility. We need humility because it says this in verse 14. I love this verse. He says, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sword? Don't you love the heart of David? He says, but who am I that I get to be a part of this? Now, at the beginning of this chapter, we could have thought that David had the complete opposite attitude. We could have guessed and assumed that maybe he was going to go that route and say, uh, I can't believe God wouldn't let me do this. I can't believe God wouldn't let me build the temple. I can't be the one in charge and God's not going to let me build the temple. Fine, I'm not going to be involved. But in fact, he has the complete opposite mindset. He says, who am I that God would even let me give to be a part of this? He had a great humility that I, I, I get to be a part of this. Hey, by the way, that should be our mindset at Rock Hill, that we get to be a part of what God is doing. We get to be a part of history. We get to be a part of this transition to a brand new building. It's not a have to, it's a get to. And to have that spirit takes humility. And David had a great humility. And then he also had, and this is our final thought, he had maturity. He had maturity because it says this in verse 15. For we are strangers before thee. Does that sound familiar at all to our church family? David says, we're just strangers. And this is what we saw in, in uh, Peter's letter in the New Testament that he says, we are strangers and pilgrims. We're just passing through. See, when you have that kind of maturity to recognize that life is short and that we're just strangers and pilgrims passing through, that, that this life is just temporary, it allows us to focus on what really matters and it allows us to focus on all of eternity. And this is what David said, for we are strangers before thee and sojourners, as were all our fathers, our days on the earth are as a shadow. It's just a short time, brevity of life, and there is none abiding. And so here was David's perspective. Hey, we can give because we're not the owner and life is short. And so it makes sense to give towards what is gonna matter in all of eternity. And I believe that God is gonna use this building as a platform and as a location and a venue that we can share the gospel and that people can be saved. And that is gonna be fruit that abounds to our account. I believe that God wants to make a great impact for all of eternity uh, through this special offering that we're gonna be taking in this transition to this brand new building. And we have to have a mindset, hey, we're just strangers and pilgrims passing through, and this will enable us to be able to do more in the short time that God has given us. Today, we've talked a lot about uh, the spirit of uh, giving, and we've talked about giving generously. And I believe that 
that we should have that mindset and heart if you're a follower of Jesus. But maybe today the message that you need to hear is not one about giving. Maybe the message today that you need to hear is one about receiving. Because if you've never received the free gift of salvation, then you'll never understand what it means to give back to the Lord. It just won't compute. It won't make sense. And so maybe the message today that you need to hear is a message of receiving, receiving the free gift of salvation. And Solomon would go on to build this temple, and it would be a beautiful temple known around the world. But it really was never about the temple. It was really never about Solomon. It was really never about David. In fact, Jesus gave us some great perspective on this in the New Testament. In, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 12, verse number 42, it says this, The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, this is Jesus speaking, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. And see, it was never about the building. It was never about Solomon. It was never about David. It was about the one who is to come. It was about the coming Messiah. And Jesus says, behold, a greater Solomon is here. It all points ahead to Jesus Christ. And in Jesus, we see the greatest example of generosity. In Jesus, we see the truth about salvation and about eternity. And we see this in 2 Corinthians 8 9, the last verse that I'll read today. 2 Corinthians 8 9 says this, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, God became man, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. And so today, the greatest gift that the world has ever seen, the greatest act of generosity that the world has ever seen was displayed on the cross of Calvary. It was displayed in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He went and lived a perfectly sinless life on earth. He went to the cross to die in our place to pay the price that we could never pay. And three days later, he rose again from the grave victoriously and set that resurrection precedent and so that Jesus is alive. And because he rose again, we can rise again as well and we can live eternally in heaven forever because of the gift of Jesus and because of the sacrifice on the cross. And so today, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you are a Christian, I want to encourage you, like David, have a heart for the house and say, you know what, I'm going to determine to be a part of this gaining ground offering and I'm going to determine to have that kind of mindset that says, you know what, I don't have to do this, I get to do this. And today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I believe today uh, is about receiving for you. Today, you can receive the free gift of salvation. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And today you can receive that free gift and you can know that you have a home in heaven and a real relationship with God because of Jesus Christ. And what I'd like to do in this concluding moment is I'd like to just lead in a simple prayer. And I'd like to pray uh, with those of you that would uh, perhaps uh, like to pray and accept Christ. Maybe you're watching this video or you're listening sometime later and there's something in your heart, there's something in your mind that says, you know what, I'm not really a Christian. I've, I've been around church and I've heard some of these things before, but if I'm being honest before God, I've never truly prayed and received Christ as my savior. And if that's you today, I would encourage you, you can pray with me and you can receive the free gift of salvation wherever you may be listening or watching from. Let's have a word of prayer together. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've done wrong, but today I wanna to turn from my sin and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and that he rose again from the grave. 
And today, I want to declare that Jesus is Lord and accept the free gift of salvation. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for the promise of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.